Good morning. It's absolutely fantastic to be with you this morning and uh, it certainly is a beautiful sunny day when I'm recording this. I hope it still is on Sunday. God bless you. It's great to be here together. If you're new to us at Gateway Church, then please do um, let us know that you're here. Um, fill in a connection card if you can. We'll get some great resources to you and help you and encourage you um, through this season and to get to know God and his immeasurable, boundless love for you. God loves you. And we're really wanting to enjoy and explore these things, even in these difficult times. A reminder for you, next Sunday is the day. It is our drive-in church experience. If you've not yet booked in, it's the details are in the chat, they're in the meeting notes. You need to book in. If you don't book in in advance, we're going to have to pop you in a lay-by and book you in on the day, assuming there's enough space. It's going to be great. It's going to be so, so much fun. We're still looking for a handful of people to help us deliver the day. So please do let us know if you're able to help with, with setting things up, packing things down, helping us with stewarding or other such things on the day. Um, there's all sorts of different ways for you to connect and engage with this. Um, we'd love to have you take part. More than anything, we're just loving to seeing you there. Well, one thing we've not really mentioned too much before is bring a picnic, uh, bring your lunch, and what we'll be able to do is just hang out after we've completed our time together, picnic there in our cars, or pop your boot and sit out back and uh, and, and other such things, and, and in a socially distanced way, be able to to, to yell at one another across the, uh, the the facility that we have there. We're going to continue to get all the details out to you, but again, make sure you click that link, make sure you sign up, and, uh, and, and we'll make sure that you have all the information that you need. It's going to be a very similar process when we approach um, reopening our church gatherings in our building that first Sunday, the 6th of September. Um, we're going to still be online, as you know, but you will need to be booking in. Have Sunday by Sunday if you're going to be present in the church. We'll get out lots more about what that's going to look like for you, uh, but we're looking forward to that as well. And of course, our transformed communities are continuing with their socially distanced meetups um, through the remainder of the summer. Um, so if you're not yet part of one of them, make sure that you connect. We don't want anybody to miss out. Um, we're having a great summer, really enjoying everything that God has for us. Resources are there available for you in the meeting notes, but we're going to really enjoy praising God and diving into his word together as we continue through our program this morning. God bless you and let's enjoy his presence together. So we're continuing today and indeed drawing to a conclusion uh, with our series we've been journeying over the summer, thinking about everyday rhythms of life, but our desire and indeed the, the, the pressing need for us to live the everyday rhythms of life with gospel intentionality. One thing that this uh, COVID-19 season has taught us most clearly is that we simply cannot assume or rely upon uh, activities, programs that are based in a building and rely on a certain set of perfect circumstances in order for ourselves to grow as disciples of Christ or for others to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. It's absolutely incumbent upon us um, to live the way of Christ 
in every part of our lives. Uh, not to layer on another program of discipleship or other such things, but to say, God, how can I be living the gospel in my work, in my rest, in my play, in my family, in my neighborhood, and everything that I'm doing, my education, my career, all of these things. And how can I be sharing that good news uh, with those who are around me in the everyday? And so we've been rooting these things and framing these things with the word bless, allowing that to be an acronym for, for five everyday rhythms. You'll remember we began thinking about blessing itself and that aspiration in word, deed or gift to bless at least three people every week. And then we talked about listening and our need and joy to listen to God. And then the gospel need to listen to those around us hear their stories before we speak. So there's blessing, there's listening, there's eating, and how it is that eating can seem such a rudimentary thing, but actually it can speak some profound wonder of the grace of Jesus Christ. We thought particularly about that Lord's table, that Lord's supper. Um, but then we thought about invitation again, thinking week by week of the 21 meals we might have and who knows what other snacks and coffees and besides, three occasions when we might be a person of welcome, inviting someone else to be with us. So blessing, listening, eating, speaking, how it is that not only do we get to listen to God, but we get to speak to God and he invites us into his presence in prayer. And how it is from that place of being rooted in his love and knowing what he's saying to us, we can then speak with gospel intentionality and make Jesus a real and everyday part of our conversation. Today, we come to our final everyday rhythm but before we get there i have a little uh, a little poem for you uh, to begin with i think you might like this my face in the mirror isn't wrinkled or drawn my house isn't dirty the cobwebs are gone my garden looks lovely and so does my lawn i think i might never put my glasses back on I don't know whether that appeals to anybody as a strategy for life, but a question for you. Anybody weary? Anyone at all? Anyone looking forward to a bit of a break over the coming weeks? Have you managed to take some time out, time off um, in this nice weather we've been having? Maybe using up some unspent holiday entitlement that you've not been able to access during lockdown? Look, instinctively, we know when we need rest. And we know that we can't simply go on and on and on doing the same forever. And yet sometimes we rebel. We rebel against our own common sense. We rebel against our own felt reality. The things that our minds weary or bodies weary are saying to us. I don't know, maybe we have some sort of martyrdom complex or we're just plain contrary. I don't know. Maybe we feel the pressures of life and we're not sure if we lay something down for a moment. Whew. What's going to happen there? Hmm. We keep going. Oftentimes we fail to stop. We don't stop to smell the roses or even to notice the stink of our own sweatiness. And we keep going until we wear ourselves out, burn ourselves out, and sometimes singe a fair few around us in the process. Don't you want to change? I know I do. I know that, uh, you know, people often say, don't they, doing the same thing over and over again and yet expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Actually, it's probably a pretty good working definition of parenting. Um, 
Another good definition of parenting I heard recently is that parenting is repeatedly having to get up again when you've just sat down. Does that resonate with anybody? Is it just me? <laughs> anyway, our everyday rhythm, the area of life we're seeking to renew with gospel intentionality. And let me remind you, gospel intentionality is about doing the ordinary activities of life under the rule and reign of Jesus, doing them for Jesus, his glory and the good of those around us, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our everyday rhythm is that of Sabbath. Now, look, so far we've mentioned them already, blessing, listening, eating, speaking, they're pretty ordinary sounding things, aren't they? They do sound every day. But today, even the word Sabbath, what on earth is that? Where does it come from? What does it mean? It might seem a little bit other. And if you're a Christian, you might know that it's in the Bible. You might know that it was a, a part of the Old Testament. It's in the law there. And I don't know, maybe you think, well, is it really for today? Is it really for me? What we're going to do is we're seeing that Sabbath is a, a huge part, not only of his instruction to us, God's instruction to us, but actually of how he made us and how we're intended to flourish and be fruitful. Sabbath is the Hebrew word for rest, and it's rooted in the idea of stopping or ceasing from work right from the beginning of everything that we see and know. It's part of God's story. In fact, God himself describes his um, process of creation culminating in rest, that he sabbathed, he ceased from work on that seventh day. I wonder whether you've ever noticed this about that story of creation. You and me, humanity, we start on that seventh day. There he finished us on the, the sixth day as the pinnacle of creation. Don't know whether you ever feel like that, but you are. And, um, and our first full day in the wonder of creation was rest. That's where we begin. God had done everything already. You and I, Adam and Eve, there's nothing to add. Um, but God rests us. It's been quipped on occasion that you don't get much more rested than dust. And that's where we come from. Rest. That's where we come from. And God sets up this stopping, this, this, this stopping work, this Sabbath, and he also sets up something that, that comes with it that's um, very similar, a rested peace. There's a different word in the Bible, noach, for that. And they come right together, right at the beginning. In the Bible's account of creation, God works for six days, creating the world, and he rests on the seventh day. Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, they tell us it like this. By the seventh day, God had completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. That means he's made it holy, set it apart as other. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. He's resting, not because he's tired, not because he's worn himself out, because he's making an active choice that stopping from work is something fundamental God wants to build into his creation. After six days of bringing order to chaos, now is the time for him to Sabbath, to cease. And then just a few verses later, we read that God, you know, having created these humans, he immediately rests them or, or settles them with himself in paradise in this Garden of Eden. Genesis 2 and verse 15 puts it like this. So the Lord God took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. So we've got these two ideas, Sabbathing, ceasing from work, and rested peace, settling 
happening together. They're together. It seems these ideas, this stopping of work, resting with God, are meant to work together. God beautifully leads us by example as he rests from work and he dwells with the people he's created. And we're meant to follow that example. Human beings were designed to live with a pattern of work and rest each week. You know, this is all the way through the Old Testament. And it has to be because, you know, we human beings, we're not quick learners sometimes, are we? In the Old Testament, Israel, the people God showed his grace and his plan of salvation to and through in the world, they were promised rest, rest from their enemies, if they would trust God's protection. How, how do you think they got on? If you know the story, there's ups and downs. Truth is, we often neglect rest. We often neglect the place of settling with God, that rested peace with God. Because we have all too often feel the need to prove ourselves. All too often we're afraid of others' opinions of us more than we care about the opinion of God. All too often we don't trust God's care for us, his father heart of love toward us. Ultimately, we trust ourselves or other things more than we trust God. Ultimately, we want to be masters of our own destiny rather than admitting that only God can be Lord of our lives as he is Lord of all creation. What's this mean? Ultimately, we sin. And sin means we can't rest. Sin makes people restless. Adam and Eve, they couldn't stay in that rested presence of paradise with God because they felt they knew better. Multiple individuals through all of the Bible brought all sorts of trouble into their lives and into the generations to come because they felt they knew better. They didn't trust God. They trusted their own sovereignty in their lives. Indeed, the whole people of the nation of Israel failed to enter their rest in a land of promise in Canaan because they knew better. Hebrews 3 and 4, chapter 3 and 4, they talk this through for us. And we read there of a whole generation of Israelites who did not enjoy rest because they did not trust God. That's how he's made you. That's how he's made me. It's his invitation to us, ceasing from work and resting in his presence. As Hebrews 3 and verse 15 puts it, and it's over and over again in these chapters. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hmm. If you hear God's voice today, don't have a hard heart. And then in chapter 4, the first couple of verses, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. The good news of rest of rested presence, peace in God, with God. It's come to us, just as to all of those folks through all the Bible. Come on, will you hear him? Don't harden your heart. Let's continue to worship God. Rest in his presence today, and then let's learn and grow some more in a moment. So the promise of God's rest for you and for me, it still stands. And actually, Jesus comes into our world and he invites us to come to him and find this rest. In Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 to 30, we find Jesus telling us exactly that. He says, come to me, all who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We get to find rest when we no longer feel the need to prove ourselves, when we're not relying on knowing better than God or being Lord of our own lives. No, when we're starting then to trust God for our today and our tomorrow and all of our future. And then all of the wonder of rest, that rested presence of God, of praising him and playing and, and partying and creating, all of these things get to give glory to God because they're expressing our confidence in his grace, our trusting that he does care for us. And not only this, but as we've said, they're a massive part of how he's made us to be, to flourish, to thrive. They're how God has made us not only to survive, but thrive. Not only to get by, but to create human community with all of its possibility and promise. We follow on in Matthew's Gospel and we arrive in Matthew chapter 12. Read it for yourself sometime in verses 1 through to 14. And we find Jesus, well, he's provoking some pretty serious controversy. How? Well, he allows his disciples to eat when they're hungry and he heals people. It doesn't sound very controversial, does it? It sounds strange that that would wind people up. But do you know people have always got the wrong idea about rest? The wrong end of the stick about Sabbath. Human nature, religious nature, makes it all about rules when it's all about rest. Rest in the presence of Jesus. So these stories of Sabbath controversy, they come immediately after what we just read in Matthew 11. Jesus talking about rest in him. Why does he do this? And then why does he demonstrate its reality? Because Jesus, God, he knows that we need to rest in him. So he teaches it and then he shows us the real meaning of it. He sees that the people are weary, that they need rest, Shabbat, Sabbath, that they need that nuach, that rested presence with their God. Here's a wonder. He's there. Jesus is there. Even though humanity has rejected him for millennia, he has come again and he's come to find them, to rest with them and to invite them to cease from their labouring attempts at righteousness and to receive him and his rest, that they can stop and, and know rest in him. He comes. Jesus is the rest of God. He is your peace. And he invites you today just as truly as he invited them then. Rest in God. And Jesus in Matthew 11, I don't know whether you picked up on it, but he talks about a, a yoke, an easy yoke and a burden, a light burden. What is he talking about here? Well, as we rest ourselves in Jesus, we're invited then to live out that rest in all of our lives. This is how we add gospel intentionality to this everyday rhythm. We work from that place of rest. We get to praise God. We don't have to praise God. We get to praise God. Because he has rested us in him. We get to praise him. We get to pray to him. We get to sing to him about his greatness and his goodness in our lives. 
And then we get to praise God, not only with our lips, but with our lives. We get to serve him and his people. We get to praise him to other people and we get to rest in his grace. This is all the work of Sabbathing. Strange to think, but that's that's what it is. This is all the, the easy yoke of Sabbath, of rest, of creation in Christ. Returning to what we might read in, in the book of Hebrews on a little in chapter 13. We read there in verses 15 and 16. Through him, that is Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, no longer trusting in ourselves, no longer believing our own opinion or our own mastery to be the best, no trusting in him. It continues, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Doing good, sharing what you have. It's not what you might think is the ordinary religious observance, is it? It's not what those religious leaders thought Sabbath was all about when they were offended that Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. No, no, no. Doing good. Sharing what you have. A sacrifice of praise from your lips, from your heart. This is rest. This is work. It's good work. Because God, he pays us better than we deserve. You know, the Bible tells us that sin that we were talking about, the wages of sin is death. But God pays you better than that. Aren't you glad about that? When we get better pay through Jesus. We get a much better position as well. Do you know the Bible says that you get to be seated with Christ in heavenly places? You get to sit with the boss. That's quite a good position in the family business, don't you think? And the conditions are pretty wonderful as well. You don't have to worry you don't have to strive to impress. You don't have to compete with your colleagues. None of that. We work from a place of rest because he has rested us in himself. Because he shows us what it is to cease from false works and to know the possibility of ceasing all the time within our lives so that we might have rested presence in him. We get to work from a place of rest. Does anybody want to apply for this job position? Hey, look, if you're a Christian this morning, the job's yours already. It's yours. You probably just haven't realised how good it is. Today we get to realise that truth. And if you're not yet a Christian, come on, apply today. There are always positions available in the family business of God. Look, we're just going to spend a bit more time praising him with our lips, enjoying his presence right now. And we're going to just provide an opportunity for you to join in uh, for you to apply to Jesus and say I'd love to work from that place of being rested in you we'll help you with it God bless you and then in a moment or two we're going to draw this to a conclusion so we started this morning didn't we asking is anybody weary and what we're doing is providing the answer for our weariness in a world that is knowing great turmoil pain and suffering we can know and we can show, we can indeed speak, the rest of Jesus, his peace and the rested peace that he invites us into. A former Archbishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, he said this, How shall we learn to bear sickness patiently when sickness comes to our turn? We must lay up stores of grace in the time of health. We must seek for the sanctifying influence of the Holy Spirit 
over our unruly moods and attitudes. Unruly moods and attitudes. Unruly weekly practices lacking in Sabbath. Unruly ongoing ways of living lacking in those places of his rested presence. We need to store up stores of grace. Where else are you going to get that from except from Jesus? This is how we learn to bear with times of worry and sickness and demand. So come on, let's have a look at a few practicalities of how we can live out the wonders of Sabbath rest. If you've got a Bible with you, you might want to open it up to Romans chapter 14 or go and uh, check it out later for yourself. All of these Bible verses uh, are in a resource that's available to you in the meeting notes. And Romans 14, um, well, it's got a number of different controversies there. Um, some of them around the things that people were eating in those days, um, whether it was appropriate or not for a follower of Jesus. Um, but there's a particular um, controversy there around Sabbath and about observing it appropriately. And it's perhaps helpful for us to get to grips with it um, and then let us know how we then can live. Now, for these folks, there were two camps. Um, one was saying that it was that one day a week, that Sunday, which was the practice right from the early church of celebrating Sabbath rest one day a week. And others who were saying, well, do you know what? Every day is holy. We're just, uh, you know, no one is more important than the other. Now, that's what seems to be happening here. Some were saying every day was holy and some were saying the Sunday was more particularly holy than the others. That was a particular day of Sabbath. What's not happening here is any kind of race to the bottom, saying somehow that Sabbath doesn't matter at all. Actually, what seems to be happening is an attempt in differing ways to assent to holiness in everyday living. Now, look, if you are seeing and savouring the holiness of God in everything in every day, then God bless you. You'll doubtless find that your investment in Sabbath rest and in the community of the church is, is consequently very, very high. Now, unfortunately, it's far more likely, more common these days, that those who don't see Sunday as particularly special, they're not minimising it because every day is being elevated to a level of holiness. No, sadly, it's far more likely that they're just simply using Sunday as anyone would, as somebody who doesn't even know Jesus would. Just a day for completing chores or projects left undone. A day for entertaining themselves with sports or telly or cinema or a day for catching up with people without any time for catching up with God or his people. It's not to say that any of those other things are, are wrong in and of themselves. Of course they're not. But if we don't allow for an, a gospel intentionality around Sabbathing, well, we're going to miss out. Verse 6 of Romans 14 says, We should observe Sabbath day by observing it for the honour of the Lord. It's very similar, in fact, to those original Old Testament commands to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What should be in our minds, in our hearts, is God's honour, God's holiness, and the invitation he gives to us to follow him into holiness. Well, how? Certainly, there is a strong biblical call to invest in Christian community, to meet together, to encourage one another, to spur one another up towards uh, love and good works. That's found in Hebrews 10 and verses 24 to 25. Now look, in a season like this, once again we're prompted actually 
all the way back to the story of creation. Once again, we're prompted to head back to Jesus and the burden he said was light, that lightweight way of, of being. We've got to be creative and we've got to find lightweight ways of being the church. Much of what we've been used to is simply not available to us at the moment. So you've got the choice. What do you do? Either do nothing, engage with nothing, find no ways to Sabbath, no ways for gospel intentionality, because what you've been used to is not present. Or do you say, actually, a creative and a lightweight God, not lightweight God, but a God of lightweight burden, wants me to find new ways. He wants me to innovate to be creative. Here's the joy. God made you to be creative. That creator God who made you, made you to work from that first place of rest, he made you to create. Sabbath is actually about recreation. That word recreation, it's not primarily about playing sports or doing a jigsaw puzzle, although, you know, those are perfectly nice things. It's about recreation, about being recreated again to the fundamentals of who we are, being made afresh in Jesus, being renewed in him, joining Jesus in the creative work that he is doing in you and wants to do through you in our world. We jump back to that creation story that we started with and we find that God invites us to reflect his creativity, to be people who enjoy art and culture and dare I say it, play. Hmm. He invites you to share in what he began then and what he will complete, his eternal rest. What are some good examples of this? Well, in Second Chronicles 20, for example, the Israelites, they got it right on this occasion. They sent a choir out to battle because they were so confident that God would save them. They just wanted to fulfill that, that, that word to them. Now, I know, having been a part of it on occasion, that music practice can, can get a little feisty from time to time. But you wouldn't ordinarily think of musicians and singers being your crack troops, would you? It's a total mind reset that creativity is a way of bringing God's kingdom into this world. How about this wonderful insight? Proverbs 8, verses 30 to 31. They, they talk about wisdom rejoicing. The word is literally playing in God's presence. If you think prayers, play is frivolous, think again. God's built it into human nature. He's built it into his creation. It's not static. He wants recreation. This is the work of Sabbath. When was the last time you played in God's presence? When was the last time you delighted in the knowledge that God has rested you in Jesus? You don't have to work to impress him. You get to creatively work and work out his investment in you. This is wonderfully what it is to Sabbath in God, to rest in his presence, to work from that place of rest. You don't, you don't rest from work. You don't exhaust yourself and then fall over. No, no, no. You get to work from rest. That's the God-ordered way of doing things, to celebrate and create from that never-ending rich well of resource, the love of your creator for you, Father God for you. What could you do? Well, you're going to have to get creative, but how about organising a street party, celebrate the easing of lockdown or, or some sort of community engagement? How about organising a, a treasure hunt and take photos of different things around your neighbourhood, include people, get creative, celebrate, party, 
rest. Take advantage of these warmer, partially drier summer days. Organise some means of creativity. If it needs to be online, then let it be online. Quiz together, karaoke together. There's a little shout out for our Filipino uh, church members. Um, tell stories together. When it becomes appropriate to do so, why not go to a theatre or a, a museum, an art gallery or something and support these creative industries, but to do so with gospel intentionality, doing so resting together in how God has made you. Um, Organise a board games night in your transformed community or a walk or a picnic in the countryside. Look, there are endless ways that you can um, know that you're doing this. Invest in Christian community. If you're not yet part of a transformed community, come on. If this COVID season hasn't prompted you to do it yet, I do not know what will. My goodness, you're a tough nut to crack. Invest in Christian community. Invest in resting together in God's presence. Sabbath once a week. Give yourself permission to lay down your tools. Don't do homework one day a week. There you go, Pastor Greg said it. I'm going to have words from your parents. Um, rest. Be recreated in God. And you will find that you're better able to invest yourself in all of these other pursuits of God with gospel intentionality as you work from a place of rest, knowing who you are in Jesus. Nothing else will tell you who you are, but rest in presence in him. God is good. He is glorious. And we say thank you, Jesus, for all of these things. Amen.